Welcome to another installment of Now Hear This Entertainment. I'm Bruce Wozniak, and wherever you have found the show, thank you for listening. This podcast is widely available, so know that there are lots of options out there to listen and subscribe. The website is nhte.net and has lots from all episodes, plus links to social media and podcast listening platforms. Please spread the word about NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line, my guest is based in Las Vegas but is currently checking in from Australia. He is a singer, dancer, actor, and the host of a daily podcast. He has performed in nine shows on the Las Vegas Strip, in addition to having performed in Australia, Italy, Germany, Canada, and New York City. Plus, he has sung as a featured soloist with renowned symphony orchestras. He has also been on radio and TV. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Dane Reese. Hello, everybody. Hello, Bruce. Thank you for having me on today. Sure thing, Dane. Thanks for doing this, especially given the two of us currently being on very different continents. (laughs) Why are you currently in Australia, by the way? Business or pleasure? Yeah, I mean, kind of neither. I mean, I guess more (laughs) on the pleasure side of things. (laughs) Uh, we unfortunately had uh, a few a family incident that uh, required us to come back here. My wife is from Australia, oh. so um, around the beginning of May, she had to she had to come down here in a hurry uh, with her little three year old daughter, and then it took a few months uh, until I was able to to join them and be here for support. Uh, but the great part is about podcasting. Like you said, I have my own podcast. I've been able to work on that out. From being here remotely, it's a great thing about the internet, hey? Nice. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's great. That's great. What part of Australia are you in, by the way? Yeah, we're in Adelaide, South Australia. It's beautiful here. It's just starting to turn into springtime, and it's gorgeous. Mm. Well, I'm really grateful to everyone who listens every week. We are closing in on episode 350, which will be released on October 21st. I'm optimistic, folks, that you're learning from and enjoying NHTE week after week. There's also a lot of fun being had on the extra content that I record with the guest every week and release as bonus audio through Patreon. Dane and I will be talking more on there, too, of course. These are turning out to be pretty hearty recordings, too, meaning maybe 20 minutes long, so practically half of another episode. And when you sign up to get those, you're supporting my show in the process. I'm going to borrow something I heard someone else say recently, which is rather than think of it as giving Bruce $5 every month for the bonus content, I'm buying Bruce a cup of coffee each month. So whatever spin you want to put on it, if you want to buy me a cup of, in my case, hot tea every month, or if you (laughs) just flat out want to show your appreciation for all the time I put into creating all this content week after week, year after year, Go to patreon.com slash NHTE to sign up or on the show website, nhte.net, use the orange colored support us on Patreon button and that will take you there too. Do know that I really appreciate you joining in on that. Dane, as I mentioned in the intro, you have done a lot. How did you get started as an entertainer? (laughs) That old, that age old question. Um, (laughs) So, getting started in this industry, I'm not your classic, you know, started singing and dancing at a young age and grew up. 
I am quite literally your real life glee story. <laughs> I grew up in Missoula, Montana, small place. I'm, gosh, then 70,000 ish people. I'm sure it has more, but I don't really know. Uh, and I literally went from being a jock that, you know, quote, record setting jock to singing and dancing and an actor almost overnight. Mm. I mostly played baseball and football. And then late into high school, a series of concussions forced me to quit football. Oh, yikes. And yeah. And then I would have needed elbow surgery if I continued playing baseball. And all this happened around, you know, in a span of about four months. Oh, my gosh. It was very quick. Yeah. It happened. It was crazy. The baseball thing happened in the summer. I started, uh, football season and I had a couple more concussions and we're like, no, my mom's an ER nurse. And she says, and you're done. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> so what was crazy is that my entire life up until that point, I had literally always done some kind of extracurricular something, Gotcha. whether it was gymnastics or sports my whole life. And all of a sudden I had nothing mm. to do. And it was very, very strange place for me to be in because I was like, oh, I, all I got to do is homework. That's strange. <laughs> and it was boring, you know. Then what do I do? What do I do when I finish the homework? Exactly right. So <laughs> my sister had a really good friend at the time. Her name was Chayla and she was over and she's a beautiful dancer. And she said, hey, Dane, we've got this Christmas show coming up and we need a guy to lift some of the girls. Uh... You want to do it? I said, I got I got nothing else going on. Sure, why not? Let's do it. So I start going to rehearse. I start learning how to dance a little bit. But keep in mind, this is Missoula, Montana. And at that time, at least, it was not exactly the place that guys would dance. So I started conservatively. I started uh, with hip hop and break dancing. And I was having a really good time doing that. And after a while, it didn't take too long when I say after a while, maybe a month or two. And I realized, look, this is a lot of fun. I'm... If I'm going to do this, I got to do it properly. So let me just start taking some real class, learn some techniques. So I threw myself into jazz, ballet, tap. Literally, mm. if the class was available in my schedule, I would do the class. And I was very, 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 very fortunate because who is one of my dear family friends now. Her name is Lisa Deer. She is or was the owner of the studio that I danced in. And she let me dance as many classes for free. Whoa. Because I think it helped her out. It helped her out a little bit uh, as well because I was one of the only guys trying to classically train or technically train in the studio. Mm. So it helped her to have a guy around to help lift the girls and learn all those kinds of skills as well. But again, outrageously fortunate to have that experience. And from there, I started getting involved in high school choir. And turns out I was okay at singing mm. and I got accepted into all Northwest and all state choirs. My parents are looking at me like, Hey, what did you know he could sing? I said, I didn't know I could sing. So everything kind of started to snowball from there. I got involved with the Muzula children's theater, did a few shows over there and then it became time for college. And when I was going to go to college, my initial thought was always going to be to go to pre-med and to do that route. But this wow. whole music arts thing was so new to me that I, decide, you know what, I'm just going to do music, primarily because I said I wanted to do pre-med music, and they said, you that's not possible. So I said, <laughs> I'm doing music because I'm liking that more. Now, in the meantime, before I even got into or went into university, I had auditioned to be the mascot of the school, 
And I got that, which also gave me a full ride scholarship, which was very cool. And anyone knows anything about the Montana Grizzlies? uh, It is, they're fanatical about football. I mean, it's like you're any college town, right? But the mascot as well. The mask, I was trained by a guy named Barry Anderson who ended up going off and he just retired recently as uh, Benny the Bull for the Chicago Bulls. Mm. But he trained me. And then uh, about a year or so afterwards, taking that gig, actually won the national, the Capital One National Mascot of the Year Award for being the best collegiate mascot in the United States. So that was cool. And then from there, I realized, you know what, I kind of want to do more. So there's an opportunity for me to study abroad in Vienna, Austria. So I did that for a semester. Wow. And then I auditioned for uh, a lot of musical theater schools. And I got into the Boston Conservatory, which uh. is now the Boston Conservatory of Berkeley, because they uh, acquired them. But I wanted to do more than just sing opera. And I didn't, I mean, as much as I liked opera, you know, I that's not really where my calling was. I, I was more the song and dance kind of guy. So I said, let's get to a training program that is more like that. So I went to the Boston Conservatory, did that amazing training, also landed myself in $120,000 of student debt, but <laughs> that is that is what it is. Uh, that's a whole other uh, conversation, I think. But yeah, but from there, I moved to New York. I had an agent. My agent goes, hey, you booked this, you booked this job. It was the first one that I booked through him, and it was a it was a inaugural cruise ship with Silver Sea Cruise Lines with Gene Ann Ryan Productions. And he said, hey, congratulations. I don't think we're going to take this, but glad you booked it. And I said, mm. um, I think we're going to take this because my student loan payments are due <laughs> in a month and I need money. So he goes, all right, uh, I'll see you when you come back. And I never made it back because ah. on that contract, it's where I met Jess, who is my wife. And she had been working in Paris and she came, we met there and the rest is history, really. We did a few more contracts together. We moved to Australia for a year. Then we moved to, you know, moved to Vegas and been there basically ever since that. Um, and it's been a fantastic journey. Okay, but so you just said, and then we moved to Vegas. But lots of entertainers dream of performing on the Las Vegas Strip, and I'm talking about, as you know, huge numbers of people that don't even live in Nevada. So yeah, you say so. We moved to Las Vegas, but was it? Well, Bruce, I took a chance and moved there and hoped to get work, or was it I was starting to get enough work there that I felt I could move there and hustle to get more work enough to safely be a full-time resident there? Or was it neither of those, and, and you and your wife had some other motivation for going there? It was mostly a leap of faith, but also uh, we had a little bit of motivation to go there as well. Really moving to Las Vegas was, you know what? We know what we can do. We were both, we've always been very comfortable in our skill sets. My wife is a dancer and uh, we have no problems just picking up and moving and showing up somewhere new because we know we can make it work and we know how to use our skills to find the work that we need to find and be happy doing it. Um, But at that time there, so I mentioned my wife had been in Paris Mm -hmm. and she was dancing at uh, the cabaret Le Nouveau Lab. It's where the can-can was invented actually. Wow. And she's she's such a beautiful showgirl that art form is so subtle it's amazing but she really wanted to do jubilee that mm. was in vegas she said oh the great american showgirl show and it was the last of its kind as well so i said well let's go to vegas that would be a great place to go and let's see if we can get you into jubilee mm. and straight away we we moved there she booked the show it was her first show that she booked into that into that city and then i booked another show almost at the exact same time we actually booked 
the same two shows at the exact same time. Just Jubilee <laughs> called her one day and then Jubilee called me the next day and then vice oh versa. Gosh. The other show called her. It was kind of ridiculous, but it was a fun way to show up into the city. And eventually I actually got to do Jubilee, which was a fantastic experience as well because it was such a legendary show. Okay, so I had planned to ask you what was the first Las Vegas show you were a part of, meaning on the strip, but it sounds like you're saying it was Jubilee. Oh, not for me. That was for my wife. I did a show, well, like many things in Vegas, things come and go so quickly in that city. It was a show called Dancing Queen. It was uh, an ABBA review show, or ABBA, however you want to pronounce it, uh, review show. And it was not high art. No one would claim that at all, but it was very entertaining. And we had people up out of their seats at the end of every single show, dancing and just having a good time. And not because we said, hey, come on, get up, get up. People just naturally got up and had a great time doing that show. And from there, I just kept on networking and doing a lot of different shows. Okay, so when you say that she got booked for Jubilee and they called you the next day, that just it's just a case of, yeah, that happened, Bruce, but it wasn't my first Vegas show. Yeah, so we both auditioned for two different shows and there was Jubilee and then Dancing Queen. We went to one on one day, one on the next day, right? I see. And we both went to the Jubilee audition the next day or a couple days later, right? Jubilee calls Jess and says, hey, we'd love to offer you a contract. And then on that same day, the Dancing Queen show had called me and they're like, hey, we'd love to offer you a contract. We both <laughs> said yes. And then the next day, Jubilee called me, offered me a contract, mm. and Dancing Queen called Jess and offered her a contract. But we'd already said yes and signed our contracts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So explain for the benefit of those in the audience who are up-and-comers that are trying to understand all this. You got this audition. You got called. Were you just showing up? cold call and saying, hi, are you taking auditions? Or how are you and she both, I guess, approaching? How how are you and she approaching Jubilee? How are you and she approaching Dancing Queen? What did that all look like? Yeah, so those were both open calls. So that means that the producer or whoever at the show creates a listing. There's a fantastic website called VegasAuditions.com. So if you're in the Vegas market, subscribe to it because you you need it. Um, it's basically backstage, but specifically for Vegas. And it's so it's where everyone makes all of their audition announcements. And you get in there, you see what's going on, and you show up at the studio at a certain amount of time and or at a specific time, and you go in and you and you do the audition, whatever it is. They have cuts and then they have callbacks and eventually if you book the show, you book it. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to share with the audience, especially those who have been to Las Vegas and are familiar with some or a lot of the shows there. In the intro, I said nine, so this is obviously not all of them, but Dane has been in shows there such as Boz, Absinthe, you heard him say Pinup, Jubilee, or I'm sorry, you heard him say Jubilee, he's also been in Pinup. So, Dane, two questions. The first is, do you have a favorite that you've been in, and if so, why? And then once you answer that, I'll give you the other question. Ooh, that is really hard because they're all really fantastic and fun and special in their own way. I think the most fun I ever had in a show, now hands down, is Pinup. Pinup was such a fun show. It was featuring Claire Sinclair, who had won Playmate of the Year some year, I can't remember which one, and she was the featured 
girl of the show and she came on and did her thing and then there's us as the dancers that would come in and fill things in between acts and we were the majority of the show really and it was only me it was one it was one male dancer and five women and it was loads of fun it was the hardest show physically that i've ever had to do mm. i was jumping this way and that way and throwing people in the air we had a live band on stage wow live singing everything was so much fun and more than the show though it was the dynamic of the entertainers and all the all my colleagues that we performed with that was the best part about that show it, it was just me and all these girls in this dressing room but we were all performers that had been performing for quite a while we all knew how to be very professional and do really high caliber work, but also be very relaxed and fun. Mm. You know, it was almost like a night and day, you know, you go into the dressing room and it's, everyone's having fun and joking and it's a good time. And then you get on stage and it's very, it's very in the moment and very sure. professional, very sure. serious. And it was such a wonderful dynamic to be a part of because we were all in the same headspace as entertainers. Mm. And that is, I think, what made it such a special show. Okay, so before I ask what my intended follow-up question is, I do want to slip in here a question about when you mentioned you were the only male and it's a very physically demanding role that you filled. So do they, and I don't know if this varies from one venue to the next or if it's right across the board the same approach, but do they require you to say, keep a certain weight? Do they require you to, are there rehearsals every day, once a week? Is it, please make sure you get yourself a gym membership or is it, no, I just work out at home on my own. Just talk about all that part of the physical aspect. Yeah. First with the, with required weight or look and things, uh, I know they didn't have anything specifically like that. There have been shows in the past uh, on ships and it, it was that's more of an old an old school thing mainly because you'd get in trouble for doing it now mm. uh, but they would actually have weigh-ins at Jubilee and things like this I think back in the past don't quote me on that but I'm pretty sure back in the day that's what they did they didn't do it I don't think when they were when I was there but being put on weight notice and things like that is a real thing uh, because it's such a visual show you are cast because of a specific look not just because of your skill but the way you look mm -hmm. and you have to maintain that the good part is about that show for instance is that it was so physical that the show itself kept me in really really good shape mm. um what i did have to be very careful with in pinup specifically was going to the gym uh, i would go to the gym regularly but i'd be very specific about what I did at the gym and the muscle groups I used because I did so much lifting in that show. I had to be very careful how much I would use my arms and lift or pull in the gym because I could not get myself fatigued because then that makes it dangerous uh, for everybody yeah. on the stage. So yeah. you have to be very aware. And there's been shows where I can go and hit the gym as hard as I want. And I don't really have to worry about that because it's just me dancing. It's not me lifting. And it's not a lot of putting someone potentially in danger because my muscles are fatigued but that specific show i had to be very conscious of that okay okay so still sticking with this discussion that we're in right now the second question that i was going to ask you is i know that you have lots and lots and lots of experience and insights and advice that you do share but for the benefit of anyone in the audience who aspires to be a las vegas performer one day 
if you could only give one piece of advice, what would that one thing be that you would tell to him or her? Yeah, I'm going to say this for not just Vegas, but performers in general. I think that there is one question that almost none of us ask ourselves, and it is, what do you want out of your entertainment career? Mm. We almost never take the time to answer that for ourselves. And I know I didn't late until late into my career. And this question is so important because this industry is so big. And for instance, do you want to be on Broadway? Do you want to do TV and film? Do you want to be on cruise ships? Do you want to work internationally? Are you willing to pick up your life at a moment's notice and move wherever the, in the world that contract may be? Or do you want to be settled down? Do you want to do contract work that's long-term or W-2 regular employee type work so you have some financial stability, maybe a 401k in healthcare? Or are you totally fine freelancing and being an independent contractor and figuring out the tax things that go with that? What What is it you want out of your career? So when you answer those questions for yourself, you have a higher probability of putting yourself in the correct market, that being New York, LA, Vegas, Dubai, wherever, right? the correct market that is most desirable for you and your personality and what you want, and also finding the market that has the type of work that's going to be best suited for you, because that also makes you happier. It makes you more passionate about the work you do. And when you do that, it actually makes you more attractive and, and not in the way that you look, not your, not how good looking you are. It's, it's, you as a person, your energy that you give, and that energy, when you go into rooms and you're auditioning, that makes you more bookable, makes you more desirable, and that ultimately makes you more successful. That's great. That's great insight. And maybe in the Patreon, we can have you get into a second and a third piece of advice, but really, really good point to make there to to consider. And those of you who are listening, if you're young, if these are things that you have not thought about before, or if they're things that you have just kind of been, you know, a fleeting thought in the transom of your mind, here you go. That's this is this is the time to bear down and and really understand the decisions that you're making and why you're making them and what you're about to get yourself into, good or bad. So thank you for that, Dane. Yeah. I am joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Australia by Las Vegas-based entertainer Dane Reese. Visit his official website at danereese.com. You can look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of his name, although I will have a link to his website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Dane is very much on social media. Engage with him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even on LinkedIn. As you will hear us discuss, he is also available as a speaker, so get in touch to see about having him at your next event. Plus, he is the host of the daily You Booked It podcast, which you can find more about at youbookedtpodcast.com. Remember that Dane and I will have more conversation and exclusive bonus content that will only be available through the Patreon for this show, which you can gain access to for only $5 a month. So depending on whether there are four or five Wednesdays in a month, that's a dollar or a dollar and a quarter for each audio file each week. <laughs> Just go to patreon.com slash NHTE or from my show website, nhte.net. Use the orange colored support us on Patreon button. Okay, here's something crazy. We recently dropped from triple into double digits in the countdown to, hmm, I can't believe I'm going to say this, Christmas. <laughs> 
there are only 90-something days now until December 25th. So always remember that any time at all that you're making any kind of purchase whatsoever through Amazon, you can help me and my show without it costing you anything extra. On my show website, nhte.net, scroll down to the tall Amazon banner and use that to either open their shopping app if you're on your phone or to open their website if you're on a computer. Either way, at the end of the transaction, they will calculate a small percentage of the sale that will get sent back to me. And like I said, it's at no extra cost to you at all. And it's all anonymous. So I don't know who bought through that or what you bought for that matter. Dane, in preparation for our conversation, I also dug up an entry among your highlights that said, Opener for Bruno Mars. What was that? Uh, That was a large production show. There's a brilliant company in Las Vegas called Destination by Design. They do, gosh, they do everything when it comes to large-scale events, uh, from room design, stage design, lighting, everything and then also the talent and the performance. Mm. So this was a really, really cool performance. It was at The Win, uh. and it was a New Year's Eve celebration for his high rollers. So it was a fairly small room, maybe 500-ish people. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was more than 1,000. That It was his wine and dining, right, for, for all the people that have spent ungodly amounts of money at his <laughs> at his hotel and for that they had uh some entertainment and we were the opener we had about a 40 minute production show that we did that opened up and we started in the audience and did all sorts of different things and it culminated with us transitioning into bruno mars who gave everyone a an hour private concert mm. and then when the new year's when the New Year celebration counting is all time for Bruno Mars is set to end right before you're coming into the new year. So we joined him on stage and did the whole countdown and uh, shot the confetti and had a great time. And that was one of the, the most fun gigs. This is what I love about being an entertainer is that we always work when everyone else is having fun because we're supplying the entertainment. But I find so much fun in that. Because we still get to enjoy the New Year's Eve celebration. But in a lot of ways, I think it's more fun and cooler because we get to do something that we're passionate about and loving and we get paid and we get to, you know, experience and be on stage with really cool people and do some really high quality work and then have a party. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. That's great perspective. And I think it's a nice refresher for anyone who maybe is finding themselves going through the motions and thinking of it as just a job that you have to realize how fortunate you are to be in that position. And those are wonderful opportunities. And I also want to set the record straight in case anyone's misunderstanding. When Dane was saying his hotel, he's talking about Steve Wynn. He's not talking about Bruno Bruno Mars. Bruno (laughs) Mars does not own a hotel, and he specifically does not own the Wynn. (laughs) No, no, he does not. (laughs) Uh, A few weeks ago on episode 342, we heard singer-songwriter Samantha Lee talk about performing on a cruise ship, which she really went into great deal about in the bonus content on Patreon, by the way. Dane, you mentioned very, very briefly about that first booking when you were in New York, but since I knew coming into this that you were an entertainer on cruise ships, just talk about that a little bit too, that facet of your career. Yeah, I loved my time on cruise ships. It's not somewhere I want to go perform now at this stage of my life with 
a daughter and things like this. But it was brilliant and no better place that I could have been in the beginning of my career, hands down. I think so many people still give, especially on the East Coast, give a bit of a bad rap to ships. And I think the idea is that, oh, it's just really kitschy and kind of meh, whatever performances. It's not some Broadway show with a big storyline and it's just there for entertainment. And that's true for a lot of things as far as the show just being a production show just for entertainment's purposes, not for, you know, inspiring any deep thought. Although there's now New Norwegian Cruise Lines has loads of full on Broadway shows and musicals on them. So that whole myth is debunked now. But also ships have incredible entertainment. The amount of tech in these shows is amazing. Mm. The budgets for these shows is amazing, especially when you get on the bigger ships. It's bonkers. And I don't think people quite realize that. It is a great place to work for a lot of reasons. <laughs> One, you get to perform solely as the only thing you do for a living, which is amazing. You get to travel to beautiful, amazing places basically every single day because I have yet to be on a cruise ship that goes to somewhere that's not good. <laughs> um, but I think most importantly, you get to hone your skills so fast. The amount of reps that you get on stage, I don't know of any other medium, any other market where you can perform that much, that consistently anywhere and not only are you just performing unless you're doing one of the broadway musicals on say ncl if you're doing the production show you're part of the production cast you're not just doing one show depending on the contract you might be doing two four my first show i had my first ship i had five shows wow. that we did in various scales you know one was more just a, a singing cocktail cabaret kind of thing mm -hmm. right but five different shows which gives you five different styles to train in mm. and to, again, hone your skills in. I think they are an amazing way to become a better performer. I think they're also an amazing way to save money because you don't spend anything or you don't have to, I guess anyone can spend money, right? But you don't have to because you don't have rent, you don't have a cell phone to pay for unless you want it, you don't have insurance to pay mm. for, you don't have a car to pay for, none of these things. All your money is your money. and. Even if, and the thing is, most ships pay pretty decently now. And even if you were to go, well, it didn't pay as much as my job in New York, you're like, well, you're also not paying your agent 10%. You're also not paying $2,000 a month to live somewhere. And you're also not paying for food. So the profit margin that you're making on a ship is also out of this world. I love ships. I will, I will speak positively about ships forever and ever. Yeah, yeah, it sure sounds like it. And, and did you say earlier that that is where you met your now wife? It is. Yeah. Yeah. We were in rehearsals for Gina and Ryan and it was this amazing contract. It was, like I said, it was for Silver Sea Cruise Lines and it was for their brand new inaugural ship. It was the Silver Spirit. And we started off with six weeks of rehearsal in Fort Lauderdale. And these were like 10, 12 hour days of rehearsal. Mm. Crazy. And had, but the cool part is we got to work with these amazing choreographers. I got to work firsthand with Liz Imperio. I got to work with Jeff Amstead, which is amazing. People don't just, you don't just get that experience. And so great to do. The, sh the ship went to over 40 countries and that was amazing. And we also, when we got to the ship, the ship was so new 
that they were still finishing the woodwork on the ship as we wow. arrived. Wow. It was crazy. We got on it in the shipyard and then we launched and then a whole PR cruise, but it literally went around the world. And then, yeah, that's where I met Jess mm. and we've been together ever since. So it's crazy to be on episode 346 of the show and still be finding some quote unquote firsts. But I think, Dane, that you are the first guest that I've talked to who I found. And it could just be that others are and they don't put it out there anywhere. But first guest that I've talked to who I found to be an actor's equity performer. Can you educate the audience on what that is? Yeah. So actor's equity is the union for stage actors. It is a really fantastic organization that helps regulate, pay, regulates a lot of standards that are to be expected in a dressing room, on stage, your break times, and things like this. And a big reason why it exists is to protect us from being taken advantage of as actors. Because as professional performers or arts people, it's very easy to take advantage of us because our work is very is directly tied to us as a person, to our egos. And when we are on stage, it's us that's going to look like the fool if we don't know what we're doing, we don't do it properly. It's not the producer. They can always replace you. The producer's not going get to the, get the bad review. You will. And because of that, it's very easy to take advantage of entertainers and have them work longer. Uh, then you need them to have them do more things than you than they should be doing, um, pay them less than you need to or should because people want that opportunity. And it's a really fantastic organization for that. They also, because in the United States, healthcare is ridiculously expensive, they also supply healthcare for performers. And the cool thing is is that you don't have to necessarily be on a show currently to be receiving your benefits. The way it works is every single week that you work or every single day that you work in a week, you get a a week's worth of healthcare paid out, right? Mm. So after you, or you get qualifying weeks is what they are. And after you get a certain amount of qualifying weeks, then you unlock six months or three months or a year's worth of of healthcare. So even if your show were to close, but you've accumulated those weeks and you're not technically employed, you still are covered with that same insurance mm. to fill in that gap between the next show, which is brilliant because that's how many of much of our lives go. You're in a show, the show closes or your contract ends and you're on to the next one. But it's not like you transition one day and the next day you're doing a new show. Sometimes that happens, but usually, you know, there's a bit of a, a lull time where you're getting into another show. So things like that really help us out. So are you still active as a member of Actors' Equity? Yes, I am, but I'm not currently in any Actors' Equity shows, so I'm not accumulating any weeks or anything at the moment. Okay, but who can or who should join? Because I'm focusing on the word actors, but is it specifically defined or is it loosely defined? It's kind of loosely defined. I think it's it's for performers, primarily stage performers, whether whatever you're doesn't matter if you're acting, if you're singing, if you're dancing, if you're on stage okay. and you're performing, okay. then then that includes you. As far as getting involved, gosh, I didn't I didn't get my equity card until I got into a show that kind of required me to have it. 
So there are equity shows and equity houses, and then there are other ones that kind of have a split thing that's more of a regional thing. And then there's not equity shows and non-equity houses. And the equity show, if you're going to be in the show, you need to have your equity card. So they just basically say, great, sign here, join the union, you can have your card. Uh, there are uh, other ways to do it. You get points. So you go into a you go into so you're kind of a semi-professional professional actor and you want to become a uh, an equity performer you can get these points and if you work at say regional theaters because it's an equity house they don't necessarily employ 100% of their actors to be equity performers they'll say okay you need to have four equity roles hmm. in this show they fill those with equity people but everyone else if they want to elect to become this park part of the program, you get points. And after you accumulate enough points working in equity houses, then you can earn your card. So okay. those are two different ways to do it. Uh, there are pros and cons to it. You know, ideally, once you have your card, you're not meant to do any work that's not non-equity. Um, hmm. Obviously, that doesn't stop people from doing it. And whether or not you do that or don't do that is, that's up to you <laughs> to make that decision <laughs> for yourself. Uh, but it can be limiting for sure, but it can also be really wonderful. So if you are in New York, for instance, they have equity calls and you go to Actors' Equity to the building and you can sign up and they have to see you for if you're ah. an equity actor. You know, if you sign up and you want to be seen, they have to see you. Wow. Uh, and that's pretty cool. Also, it can be easier to get agents because it also is kind of like a badge of like, all right, I'm at least this good. Boom. <laughs> and... <laughs> It can help to get representation, which then can help you to get appointments, which then can help save you time so you can see be seen more often. So depending on, again, what your journey, what it is that you want out of this industry can help determine whether that's the right path for you, because it's certainly not the correct path for everybody. Yeah. But it can be a wonderful thing yeah. if it's what you want. Amazing. Great, great insight. And what a valuable episode this has turned out to be. And, and we've still got more to go. I mentioned, Dane, that you are also a speaker. Share with the audience the topics that you speak about and what types of groups you talk to. Yeah, for sure. So this is primarily in conjunction, I guess we'll talk about the podcast a bit later, but kind of a shorter, refined version of that in a way my core speaking subject is speaking with uh, performing arts programs, schools and things like this to highlight that gap between, or try to fill that gap between training programs and the real world because there's so much between there and having those conversations is something that schools, they, they simply don't do or it's really difficult to do and accomplish effectively so having people that have been there done that are in the industry currently and to speak on that is is really important and then of course that can venture off into other markets and talking more about motivation and inspiration and things like this but really my core talk is about filling that gap between training and the real world and what you need to do to prepare to be a professional entertainer besides being able to be a musician or sing act or dance but when you say schools, are you talking about, say, elementary, middle, or high school, or are you talking about, like, dance schools? Like dance schools, like um, people that are training pre-professionals and things okay. like this, people okay. that are properly aspiring to be in the industry. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, it's ironic that 
Every week on the show, I always talk about the Access Vegas newsletter. And now, lo and behold, this week's guest is an entertainer from Las Vegas. Ta-da. I woke up this morning to the latest Access Vegas newsletter being in my email inbox. So naturally, I clicked through and dug right in with reading that. In case you're new to my show, Access Vegas is something that gets sent out to provide you with tips and insider information from folks in Las Vegas who've been producing this newsletter for so many years now that they are the go-to source for maximizing your time visiting Las Vegas. Not the local news websites or some travel site that's based in who knows where and just writes about all kinds of popular destinations. They will tell you about savings when you go there. There are exclusive reports you'll gain access to as well as a private Facebook group. And for my listeners, they give you $5 off when you sign up. From my show website, nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and then when you're on their sign-up page, put in the code BRUCE to get that discount. In the latest issue this morning, I was reading about, they've been reporting on businesses trying to bounce back from the pandemic, a major casino opening entirely smoke-free. So not just one area of the casino or not one floor, but the whole place. Plus, they had news in there about Usher starting a residency next July and which hotel he will be performing at. And I even clicked on a headline that said, here are Las Vegas's top three traditional American spots, meaning places to get American food there. Find all this and lots, lots more by going to my show website, nhte.net, and clicking on the Access Vegas logo. And then during sign up, remember to put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. Dane, let's talk about your podcast, which, wow, (laughs) makes mine look like a rare occurrence. Seven days a week, you're putting out an episode of the You Booked It podcast. Tell the audience what you're talking about on that show and what made you want to start it. Yeah, seven days is no joke. It's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. Finding that out or have discovered that for sure. Um, Yeah. So on the podcast... It is a lot of, I guess it's kind of an extension of my speaking. So I created this talk, right, that talks about filling that gap between training and the real world. And while I think my talk is fantastic and it's really high value, the more I started thinking about it, the more I realized that this industry is so big, so broad, so diverse that it is almost impossible to give a cookie cutter solution to figuring out how to navigate this industry successfully. What I found was that it's not a linear path, like say being a lawyer or being a doctor is. Everyone goes their own way. It's like a firework, boom. Everyone goes out to the world and off they go. And they create their own journeys. But there's so much that we never ever learn. So I was thinking, well, how I I don't even really know how to cover everything. I can cover some really great core fundamentals, sure, but covering everything, that's so impossible, especially for a training program. And I kept thinking about it, and I said, you know what I should do? I should just talk to people, a lot of people. <laughs> so I knew that if I talked to loads of people from different parts of the industry, whether they were performers, whether they were musicians or composers or authors or doing... Uh, screen acting or doing straight acting, if they're in the corporate production side of things, wherever they are, because it's all part of this entertainment industry, that having those conversations would inevitably shed light on the fundamentals 
that create successful careers, but also that you're going to get those niche tips and those niche insights that people have simply stumbled across because they've been doing it through their career and experienced it, or maybe the niche things that only really truly pertain to such a specific part of that industry. Mm-hmm. So that's where I found the value in it. And then I thought, okay, if I'm going to do that, that sounds cool. How do I make that value stick out more in people's brains? So I thought, all right, well, let me try this consistent interview format. So in every interview, I ask the same set of questions to every single guest. Mm. So the idea is that as you've listened to a handful of the episodes, you already know what I'm going to say. Sure, things change a little bit and we deviate and we have discussions of sure, but they always start with basically the exact same question. And you already know that as the listener going in. So it really becomes about the value becomes about how different people answer the same questions. And that repetition and that pattern also makes it easier, I think, for you to create these really cool little mind maps and find the differences and the similarities between people, what people say from episode to episode, so you can more easily extract some value and some insight from it for yourself and your own career. Yeah, and I can envision the listener who is subscribing to your show, getting used to those questions and getting really, really dialed in when a guest starts in and says, ooh, I can't wait to hear how this person is going to answer when Dane always asks X. So that's a really, really neat approach that you've taken there. From the category of always leave them wanting more, let's end by having you share with the audience who some of those people are that you have interviewed so far on the You Booked It podcast. Yeah, for sure. So this is something that I love about this podcast. I've been very purposeful about the people and the guests that I have on because it is great. And as much as we love a good celebrity success story, the fact of the matter is, is that the majority of the people that are in this entertainment industry that are using this industry as a career and supplying their sole income from it are not famous people. They're people that are very normal, but have managed to be very successful in what they do. And I think those conversations are vital to talk about and to hear because they're also much more relatable and their circumstances tend to mirror what your circumstances are much more closely. So there's a lot of great value there. So I've got a huge gamut of people from that are just in the beginning of their careers and have had some great success to people that have had brilliant amazing careers and now they're reflecting on their careers so i get that whole range of guests and one of them that i love is he's one of my dear friends his name is ron remke and we've known each other for over a decade now and he's a musical theater performer but he has also worked his way into the symphony circuit Mm. uh, singing as a soloist for loads of different symphonies and philharmonics all around the country now what he does is usually something that is only reserved for people that have dozens of Broadway credits or TV film things and they just happen to sing. It's it's not really an industry where someone like him who has had successes in his in his life but he's not a celebrity in the slightest as you would define it 
has worked his way into this industry, and it's amazing to see his insight on that because it's so good. I've got Ruby Lewis, who is also I got she was we were in a show together, we were in Baz together, and she's an incredible actress. She was the star of Cirque du Soleil's Paramore on Broadway, and she's going to be singing with Steve Aoki at Carnegie Hall wow. next year. Wow. So she is just the loveliest human being in the entire world, but also has so much value and insight to give. I've got Dan Michike, who is the music director for Wicked on Broadway. I've got Lisa Marie Smith, who has had loads of success, especially in the Vegas area, but she's also endured so much vocal health issues, vocal health injuries, and her insight on that and what she has to share about vocal health is an absolute must listen if you are a singer. Um, gosh, coming up, this one's not, this was kind of fun. This, this interview is actually scheduled to be recorded in about a week and I'm very excited about it. It is Stephanie Clemens. She is the dance captain for Hamilton mm. and she has also been part of Lin-Manuel Miranda's team since before Bring It On. So she's been part of that amazing creative team that just keeps putting out amazing show after amazing show for such a long time. And I'm very excited to have her on. Fantastic. So, gosh, I mean, I could I could keep going on and on and on. But Fantastic. that's a little teaser. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's all since, uh, I, I want to say June, but correct me if I'm wrong. Is that when you launched the podcast? Yeah, that's correct. I think the first episode was June 17, 18, somewhere around there. Wow. Wow. And folks, I'm not kidding. Seven days a week, I was looking at it on iTunes when I was preparing for this interview and looking down, there's yesterday, there's the day before, there's it, and just he doesn't miss. So he's packed in a lot in a short amount of time. So make sure you look for that. Dane, thank you so much. It's been really, really great having you on the show. I'm really glad to have connected with you and congratulations on the podcast. Best of luck with it and with everything else that you're doing. Oh, Bruce, thank you so much. And thank you for having you on the show. It's been brilliant pleasure a pleasure listeners that will do it for another episode of now hear this entertainment my sincere thanks to singer dancer actor and fellow podcast host dane reese be sure to visit his official website at danereese.com and again i will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net remember that he is all over social media so engage with dane online this morning, I liked his Facebook page, and I followed him on Twitter and Instagram, so I suggest you do the same. He and I have even already connected on LinkedIn, so look for him there as well. On DaneReese.com, you'll find information about booking Dane as a speaker for your event, plus check out YouBookedItPodcast.com for his daily show that you just heard him talking about. Again, Dane and I will have more conversation over in the bonus content that's only available exclusively through Patreon. There's already similar audio up there from the last nine months worth of guests. It's only five bucks and it's ad-free and that's the only place you can get it. Go to the show website, nhte.net, hit the orange colored support us on Patreon button and that will take you to where you can gain access to the exclusive content. Remember also about scrolling down on nhte.net to the tall Amazon banner to start all of your shopping through them that way so that they can kick back a small percentage of the sale to help me with all the expenses I have for doing this show every week for what has been more than six and a half years now. There is no extra cost to you for doing that. For now, that will do it for episode 346. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment.